Coming up, I will tell you all about the criminals that President Obama pardoned. Yes, 1,900 clemencies issued by Obama. I'll tell you about Bill Clinton's pardons. The media is acting as though President Trump is the first president in history to ever pardon a friend of his. Not true. Clinton pardoned his own brother. Shh, don't tell the media. Clinton pardoned his brother. Obama pardoned a convicted terrorist. All right, Ocasio-Cortez, she has figured out the real reason behind the surge in crime and violence. AOC has done it again. She says it's because people are hungry and they need to steal bread. Yes, the surge in crime in New York City. Nearly 100 shootings per week in New York City. Shocking numbers. Really devastating. And the, the, the media, of course, is really burying a lot of the, the what's going on here. Uh, these are random shootings. Horrific violence. It's because people are hungry. Forget the police. You don't need the police. All you have to do is just give out free loaves of bread and you're going to suddenly see the crime numbers and the shootings plunge in New York City. They're going to go way, way, way down because it's all happening because people are hungry. They want to buy bread. Here's a direct quote from Ocasio-Cortez. She spoke about in a video on Sunday. She spoke about the surge in, in, in violence. Quote, why is this uptick in crime happening? Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment right now? Maybe this has to do with the fact that people are not paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. They need to feed their child. They don't have money. So they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. They need to shoplift bread. They're looting. They're rioting. I mean, the shootings are totally out of control. We'll give you some horrific details later on. But it's all just over bread. I mean, what do you, what, you, you think defunding the police is a problem? You think getting rid of the anti-crime unit is a problem? Just dole out food, which they basically do in the city, by the way, and uh, th that'll solve the problem. You can pretty much get rid of the, forget $1 billion, you can get rid of the entire $8 billion police budget. All right, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, he has been setting traps to catch leakers in the White House since day one of President Trump's White House. There have been leak after leak. I mean, it's just been the most leaky White House West Wing in the history of the country by, by all calculations here. That's what everybody has reported. And it's never, you know, from Mueller, even pre-Muller, you remember? I mean, there, there were just so many stories that came out from day one and there was sabotage and they thought it was Steve Bannon. Then he left the White House. The leaks continued. They blamed Sean Spicer. They blamed uh, Reigns Priebus and uh, John Kelly, right? All of whom, by the way, may have had something to do with it. I don't know. But this is the first I'm ever hearing where they're actually laying out breadcrumbs. They're literally lay they're setting a trap here. Mark Meadows, Give Mark Meadows credit. We believed that he would come into that White House and really clean things up. He's somebody who gets things done. So he's been feeding secret information to staffers in the White House, and he specifically has been calculating which piece of information he gives to which staffer. It's, it's been all planned out. So he's setting a trap. He wants to see what information gets leaked to the reporters. Then he'll be able to trace that information uh, that classified information back to whomever he fed it to. So uh, here's my problem, and this sounds like a very great strategy and plan. The problem is this is being reported by Axios. Axios, of course, is a pretty conservative news outlet, and now we all know about this. Well, if it's being reported by Axios, if Yaakov M. knows about it, then I bet you the people working in the White House works, know about it as well. 
I don't think this plan is good unless he's already done it and it's already he's been effective and he's already gotten results. In theory, it's a great plan. But like if they know that he's specifically giving them information, then they're not going to go and leak it because they know that he's trying to set a trap. And by the way, did, how did, did we find out? How did Axios find out about this plan of Mark Meadows about this trap that he set? Evidently, this was leaked also. I mean, maybe this was all part of his plan. You could kind of make your head spin there. That he play, he actually told one of his staffers that he's setting this trap, and then that person went and leaked it to Axios, and now he knows that that's the staffer who's behind the leaks. I have no idea. Unlikely. The two leaks, by the way, majorly that he's focused on recently are the Russian bounty leak, which was disgraceful and could be very, very dangerous, that kind of leak, classified information like that intel, and... President Trump being brought down to the bunker. Of course, that happened during the riots, and I believe that was a source of deep embarrassment to President Trump, and he wants to know who leaked that information. Andrew Weissman, the pit bull from the Mueller team, he has written a new book. So now we have Andrew Weissman trying to cash in on his role in the conspiracy. Notice all the books are being published here the last few months before the election because this is when people are most engaged. This is when they stand to profit. We're talking John Bolton, Mary Trump, so many other books. And by the way, there are some pro-Trump books out there also. I believe Nikki Haley has put out a book as well. But um, but, th but this Andrew Weissman, here's what's egregious. So he's trying to join the party. It's like, okay, the bash Trump party, right? Comey put out a book, but that was a little bit earlier. He got in before these other people. So Andrew Weissman, apparently in this book, he claims that they could have done more to prosecute President Trump, to actually bring charges. I mean, the Mueller probe was an abysmal failure. They try to act as though they accomplished a lot. They wasted tens of millions of dollars. They Well, we got Paul Manafort and we got Roger Stone indirectly because he wasn't really prosecuted by Mueller. And a few other little tidbits here and there that really were not at all relevant to what they were supposed to be investigating. And of course, because what they were supposed to be investigating was fabricated from day one. It was a hoax. So... Now Weissman, they're acting as though, well, we accomplished, we so many different indictments, so many convictions that we got. Come on. But I, I mean, any federal prosecutor, if they look hard enough and they threaten enough people, there was a shakedown is what it was. And they do these early morning pre-dawn raids and frighten people and threaten to basically prosecute, put their kids in jail. You're going to get people to plead guilty because they have no choice and, and, and go bankrupt. But here's what's so weak is we could have done more. The narrative being, you know what? We could have really, if we, if we, 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 we didn't go far enough. And, and like, as though if you could have gone further, you wouldn't have gone further. You're saying, like, what, you used self-restraint? This is such a bogus narrative because, I mean, obviously, the only, the, their whole reason for existence the last few years, Mueller, even though he doesn't really know what's going on so well, and Andrew Weissman and the Mueller team, has been to bring down President Trump. That was their one goal. They failed miserably because Trump was clean, totally 100% clean. Well, we actually could have done more, but we didn't go further than, and, and we, we could have gone further if we wanted to. I mean, then why did you not? It's so obvious that this is so phony. It's like the Palestinians and Iran, right? I mean, if you instigate us, then we're really going to attack. Well, if you could attack, why haven't you already attacked? The answer is that the Mueller team, Andrew Weissman, they could not have done more. So what they do is they totally failed. But now Weissman, he wants to put out a book and he wants to make it as like, well, you see that we really won after all. We, we were gentle. You know, we, we, we treated Trump with kid gloves. I mean, Andrew Weissman, he would have indicted his own mother if he thought that somehow that would help get dirt on President Trump to bring Trump down. And in fact, they actually went way beyond what they would 
have done for anybody else because President Trump, they feel so threatened by him. There was nothing on him. I mean, literally, there was no shred of evidence of Russia collusion. The whole thing was totally, totally fabricated from day one. By the way, the reason that they're so threatened by Trump, it's just important to recognize it's not because of his tweets. They're going to tell you it's his tweets and he's a racist. It's because he's the most successful president, arguably, in modern history. He's gotten so much done and he's not beholden to the establishment. And that terrifies them that somebody could come in and not actually follow any of the rules that they spent a lifetime creating. All right, new headline in the mainstream media, President Trump considered selling Puerto Rico. This was reported by some White House staffer who used to work in the White House. She's not there anymore. And she says that uh, after that hurricane that ravaged Puerto Rico, what was it, Hurricane Maria? After that hurricane, uh, President Trump actually floated the idea, maybe we can sell Puerto Rico. Now, this is, he didn't mean this seriously. We've seen this so many times, right? What he wanted to buy what was it, Iceland, Greenland, I believe, and they love the scintillating headline with the mainstream media so they can mock President Trump. He wanted to sell Puerto Rico. What kind of what kind of a crazy president wants to sell te- the, a, a, a U.S. territory? Now, first question I would ask is, does anybody, can anybody actually tell us what we gain by having Puerto Rico as a territory? Is this really such a such an outlandish idea would be the first question. And if you, you look it up, you know, what exactly Puerto Rico, what benefit there is to the United States having Puerto Rico, it's really tough to know. It seems to me it's mostly economic benefits that Puerto Ricans are technically American citizens and there are a lot of American companies that actually make money by selling their products to Puerto Rico. But it sounds like much more of a business arrangement than anything else. So Trump's instinct, as usual, is not so far off. If they could sell Puerto Rico to some country who wants it strategically for a lot of money, that actually might bring in more of a profit than having Puerto Rico does as a, as a territory. So it might not be a terrible idea. But again, President Trump, he like blurted it out. You know, when you read the actual story, Trump actually floated the idea of selling Puerto Rico for about... 10 seconds. He blurted it out. They were trying to figure out how to deal with Puerto Rico. Of course, it was ravaged by the hurricane. And Trump got a lot of criticism. He could have done more in Puerto Rico. That's a story for a different day. He did did not do enough in response to the terrible devastation that was done uh, from that hurricane. But Trump, you know, he just blurts out ideas. He's a businessman. You know, he comes up with all sorts of very creative ideas. Some of them are crazy. Some are ingenious. Some of them are like a little bit too creative. But that's how he operates. That's what makes him so successful, by the way. All right, so the new, there's a new poll in the state of Texas. And if anything, this to me discredits a lot of the polls because there's no way that this poll reflects the reality. This is the, the, the media is, they are giddy over this. The Dallas Morning News poll It shows Biden versus Trump in Texas. Of course, Texas has been a Republican state for many, many, many decades. So Biden has, at least in terms of voting for president, Biden's beating Trump in this poll by five percentage points. Biden, 46 percent. Trump, 41 percent. So this is supposed to be a shock, a shock poll, a very big, big red flag for Trump. And if anything, to me, this shows me the inaccuracy of the polls because no Democrat has won the state of Texas in terms of no Democrat president candidate has won the state of Texas since Jimmy Carter in 1976. And remember, that was coming off of Gerald Ford and Watergate. So Texas now it is shifting. I will give you that. And of course, 
even Ted Cruz, you know, things got a little bit dicey for him, a little bit shaky. And Texas, they like Beto O'Rourke, the liberal. So things in de- in Texas, mainly because of all the illegals who crossed the border and had children. And, you know, there's so many Hispanics now uh, in Texas who are vote Democrats. So that has shifted the demographic a bit. But Texas is a solid red Republican state. And President Trump, it would take it would just be an absolute just total shock for President Trump to lose Texas. Even even the Biden people are not even trying to win Texas. So what is this really all about? The answer is a few things. Number one, negative news, the coronavirus. But even before the coronavirus, you've just got so much negativity about Trump all the time. It seeps into people. It doesn't affect how they're going to vote in November, but it does affect how they respond in polls. Now, the other part of this is it could be there's another technicality. I don't know how many Trump supporters are answering the phone when the pollsters call. You know, the pollsters call landlines, a lot of them. Who has landlines? I mean, Democrats. Well, why would a Republican? You may have a landline. I have a landline, but I never use it. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, as we know, Republicans are actually working. Uh, They don't have time to answer questions from pollsters. I'm not saying that that tells the whole story. I mean, there are definitely people out there who claim that the mainstream media polls, they actually skew toward Democrat. They they, they just literally uh, speak to a lot more Democrats than Republicans. Who knows? But then you have George Floyd. And of course, the media is pounding away with the coronavirus, blaming President Trump. And right now in Texas, there is a surge in the coronavirus. And that has people thinking very negative. When people think negative, they blame the current administration. The other part of this is that, but again, there's no way that Trump is losing Texas 46 to 41 in November. So this shows you that all these factors are causing the polls to be skewed from reality. That's my only conclusion here. While the media is celebrating the fact they actually think that there's a chance that Trump loses Texas. Now, remember, most voters have not yet seen Joe Biden's negatives. I know we talk about it here a lot, but the mainstream media covers it up. You read the New York Times, you read the Washington Post, you're seeing almost nothing about the blunders, you know, and about uh, Joe Biden, his cognitive ability. Or, or about how radical he's become, how socialist uh, Joe Biden has turned in the last few years, which which he, he wasn't. He was always radical, but not nothing like this. So they're not seeing any of this. Remember, remember the primaries, right? Joe Biden, he started off, his numbers were sky high in the primaries. And then he opened his mouth and he started making appearances and he went and he started debating and his numbers plunged. And the only thing that saved Joe Biden, he was on the brink of disaster. Remember, it's South, where was it? South Carolina. And then, of course, in the 11th hour, Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out. And suddenly Joe Biden was the only viable option. It was either him or Bernie Sanders, a.k.a. Joseph Stalin. All right. Uh, President Trump, I want to point out, you know, he has handled the, the economy incredibly well, incredibly well. We need to talk at one, at one of these days about the coronavirus, about what's going on around the country, about the pandemic, about the fact that they are reopening. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. And uh, look, we can't get into it right now because it, it really needs a lot of time and analysis. But could we have more in terms of the data, in terms of knowledge at this point? You know, there have been so many cases of coronavirus in the United States, around the world. It's been so many months. And yet there's still so many things that the experts don't know. They need to study data. The, the task force, you feel like they're always just reacting to like they're flying by the seat of their pants, like that day's news. And they, they, they could literally know so much more information, in my opinion. And the question is then who gets the blame? That's a story for another day. But in terms of the economy, I mean, there could have been another 
Great Depression. And look, it's still we're not out of the woods yet. And, you know, some people feel the economy has been pumped up artificially. I mean, just even look at the sports industry. How many billions of dollars have been lost? The sports industry, the restaurant industry, the airline industries. There are industries right now that should be tanking. They're not because not only President Trump, it's the Fed. There's a lot of it's Congress. There's a lot of different factors here, but they have basically pumped trillions of dollars into the economy. Now, the big question is, but are, are we at the back end? Is that going to cost us? So it's really interesting. There are just so many elements to this. Nobody knows. I mean, the stock market is almost where it was before the crash back in March, before the economy shut down, right? So how did that happen? Some people say, well, it's a bubble. The the, 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 the companies uh, that are being publicly traded on the stock exchange, they're not actually worth as much as, they're be, as their stocks are being valued right now. Because money was pumped into the economy, people invested it, and uh, they invested in companies, and things are inflated, and that bubble could burst. Other other people say, no, it's going to be okay because the, the, the country can just keep on printing more money and keep borrowing because they're borrowing lots of money. I mean, they are borrowing just obscene amounts of money, which they were already doing even before this whole this whole crisis began. But one thing I just wanted to point out, and I was telling this to my wife, to be honest, and uh, my wife said to me, you know, have you mentioned that on your show? And I said, no, I, I don't think that I have. And she, she, my wife said, well, it's really interesting. You know, you might want to like mention it. So here goes. You know, one thing that President Trump is able to do, which in 1929, the Great Depression, they were not able to print money. Now, they haven't actually said, listen, we are printing money, but they've been able to borrow trillions of dollars knowing that they can print the money when the time comes. And uh, not only, you know, they, they, I'm not talking about just borrowing from China. You know, they, they're they all sorts of bonds and things. There are all sorts of ways that the United States has to borrow money and then owe that money back. Now, we're paying in, in obscene amounts of money in interest payments, and eventually that, that does come back to bite us. So I, I want to be very clear. I'm not in favor of borrowing money, not at all. But if there's ever a time to do it, it's during a crisis like this. Remember, before the 1970s, here's the point, is they could not print money because there was something called a gold standard. And then, of course, Richard Nixon eliminated the gold standard. Now, that also is a whole show unto itself. Was that a good thing? Was it not a good thing? But in 1929, they couldn't print, borrow and say, listen, we're just going to print the money because if they didn't have gold to back it up, then there was no money. The, 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 every dollar was represented, was backed by actual gold. But now that that's been abolished, uh, so now they're able to basically print as much money as they want. So that's a really interesting little tidbit there. Now, that could lead to massive inflation and to the devaluing of the dollar. And there are some economists who say, listen, we've got to stop borrowing. We've got to stop printing money because there could come a time when that itself could lead to disaster. There's another thing we have to recognize, which is if Joe Biden takes over, then in addition to all the other catastrophic things Joe Biden could do, uh, there could be another Roosevelt movement here, where another socialist movement where Joe Biden, who's been promising socialism even before this whole thing, he could use the coronavirus as an excuse, as a pretext, and exploit it to pass all sorts of socialist policies, create all sorts of new socialist programs. That's what Roosevelt did, and many of those programs have only gotten bigger and have only done more and more damage over the years. But he, but he used the Great Depression. That was his pretext. Maybe some of it was needed, but it should have only been done temporarily. Those programs lasted for 80 years, right? And uh, a lot of them have now t taken over the budget, the federal budget, and they are wrecking uh, the economy. That's really what's happening here. So Biden was already going to do that before the coronavirus. So this is something which is terrifying. If there were a Biden presidency, he's going to talk about the high unemployment. He's going to talk about the racial inequality. And he's going to use all of that as an excuse to do what he really has been promising. And Bernie Sanders has forced him to do because 
uh, Biden wants all the Bernie Sanders supporters now who want socialism, he's going to pass all sorts of socialist, new socialist programs. And he's going to pass the Green New Deal environmental programs, which will essentially give the country control of the economy, not to mention radicalize health care. I, I want to say again how much I really enjoy this audience. You are the greatest audience on the planet. I mean, I just, I, I so enjoy listening to your voicemails. I try to listen to every single voicemail, even the ones that are like one minute, 48 seconds. Sometimes there's a two minute voicemail. And to be honest, I don't always have time. Those are the ones I sometimes listen to last, but I do try to get to them because it's just so, it's so enjoyable. And you're so wonderful, every one of you. And even the ones of you, those of you who don't leave voicemails, I, I have no doubt, you know, because we're, we're just all like, we're like a big family, the Akovem family. This is, I'm just speaking from the heart here for a moment. I know, I'll get back to the politics, don't worry. You're thoughtful, analytical, sharp, and funny, by the way, and you're as kind and respectful as as anybody I have ever met or listened to or spoke with, spoken with in my life. There are two things we share, and I get these vibes from you, and sometimes you really say it straight out, so I'm just going to mention it, and it's something, it's the elephant in the room, we all know it's there. There's an incredible passion that we share, that's number one, and number two is the analysis of what, like, what's really going on, you know, sort of tearing away the fake news, distorted narrative that the media gives us, and really getting at the heart of what's going on, but let's talk about the passion for a moment, because... I really feel like we share, many of you have said to me that you enjoy the energy. I definitely, you know, bring some energy to the table. I think that that's pretty clear. And it's not only caffeine. Caffeine is a factor. But, you know, but even on a tightness, I, I, I do feel the energy and the passion. And I feel like we're actually, that bonds us. And there's like a mission. There's something incredibly personal. You know, I once heard Sean Hannity on the radio say that the fact that you don't see his face when he's talking, that it's really just only my voice and your and your ears, so to speak, that level of communication, it makes it deeply personal because it's really just like our minds kind of getting together, if that makes any sense. I'll, I'll stop being so mushy here in a moment. And and I feel like we're, we're really on a mission to make the world a better place. I feel like the entire audience is focused on fulfilling the Ritzayin Hashem. Like, that's our mission, and it's that's something we're passionate about. And look, I'm just wired this way. I'm a pretty passionate person. I couldn't fake this if I tried. I think you recognize that. And uh, I've kind of always had it in me. So I do, I do appreciate the fact that I guess... You all appreciate that. And, and as I said, the other thing is, many people say to me, it's so hard to get a real analysis of what's happening. You read the news, you read this story, that story, but you just get these this very distorted perspective from the media. And it's so important right now because the world is full of sheker. Let's be honest. I feel like the world is full of more sheker. The more information there is, the more sheker there is. Is, is that not accurate? So I'm not doing anything special. I'm not like sitting here like I have some kind of magical or just, you know, super human ability. I'm just trying to study what's going on, trying to cut through all the fake news and just really just get to the heart of what's going on. Is it always going to be right? Certainly not. Hopefully it's right a lot of the time. But I think more importantly, it just it gives us all kind of a new perspective to think about. All right, all right, enough of the mushy stuff, Yaakov. Let's get back to the politics. All right, so pardons, right? The media is having a meltdown as though President Trump is the first president to ever pardon a friend of his. I mean, literally, Obama issued, granted 1,927 clemencies. He granted clemency to 1,927 people. Clemency is either a commutation or a pardon. I mean, that is just insane. And where was the media? The media never said a word. But President Obama pardoned 
a convicted terrorist, a man who made bombs. So here's the thing. Past presidents, they reward their friends with pardons. You can hate it. You can despise it. But you need to at least be consistent about it. So President Clinton, and I actually think what Trump did here with Roger Stone is not nearly as— some, I've, I've gotten mixed reviews here. Some people say it's totally fine. And I think it, it's very, it's very, can easily be defended despite the fact that Roger Stone pled guilty to several crimes. So we'll, we'll explain in a moment. President Clinton— this is, by the way, Andrew McCarthy on Fox News. President Clinton, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, pardoned his own brother for felony distribution of cocaine. His brother distributed cocaine. President Clinton pardoned him. By the way, I remember that, and uh, or I remember at least that specific time frame. And uh, the media, of course, <clears throat> the mainstream media did not even focus on it for a moment. Um, President Clinton uh, pardoned a key witness in the Whitewater scandal, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton. The original Ken Starr investigation, the impeachment started with the Whitewater scandal. It uh, expanded into other areas. But that Whitewater scandal, that was a very big deal back in the 90s. And there was a key witness and Clinton pardoned him. And, uh, you know, th th we did not hear the media accusing him the way they accused Trump of doing it as a reward for not sharing dirt on Clinton. By the way, Bill Clinton uh, pardoned three people convicted in Ken Starr's special counsel probe. Imagine if, uh, you know, the imagine, imagine if Trump had done that. Mark Rich, it, it, it was basically a political payoff. President Trump pardoned the criminal named Mark Rich. Mark Rich or his wife, somebody donated lots of money to Bill Clinton's campaign. President Clinton pardoned his own CIA director. He pardoned his HUD secretary. He pardoned eight people who were in his Department of Agriculture who were convicted in an investigation. So that's what presidents do. I mean, by the way, I shouldn't say that's what presidents do because Trump has not done anything even remotely that egregious and neither did Bush as far as I can tell. President Clinton also commuted se sentences of several convicted terrorists, some of whom had not even asked for clemency. I'm reading you here from the article by uh, Andy McCarthy. Now, one person President Clinton did not pardon, Oscar Lopez Rivera, he was an unrepentant leader of a, a group, a terror group from Puerto Rico named FALN. And these people were behind many, many bombings. So this Puerto Rican terrorist, Oscar Rivera, he actually made bombs. He was the bomb maker for FALN. And he was so bad, Bill Clinton did not pardon him. Guess who did? Obama pardoned him. Yes, Obama also commuted the sentence of Chesley Manning, who was a soldier who passed top secret information to WikiLeaks. So think about that. Everybody's going haywire over Roger Stone and his contact with, with WikiLeaks. But uh, Obama, he also was connected with WikiLeaks and nobody said a word about it then, at least not the mainstream media. Uh, yeah, the, yes, this man passed over top secret, passed along top secret information to WikiLeaks and yet he was pardoned by Obama. Obama pardoned hundreds of drug offenders because he was upset at the fact that Congress would not work with him on passing more lenient uh, laws, sentence laws, sentencing laws for drug offenders. Uh, Obama pardoned the military man who outed the Israelis to Iran over the Stuxnet virus. Yes, do you know the Stuxnet virus, it could have done a lot more damage to Iran's nuclear program, but a man in the U.S. military, a general, actually uh, leaked the information about the Stuxnet virus to the media, and then Iran, of course, discovered it, and then Iran was able to thwart it. It still did a lot of damage, but it could have done more he, he, he was guilty of leaking classified information, not only classified information, but classified information that was so damaging to the United States and to Israel, and yet Obama pardoned him. I mean, it's so disgraceful. You never hear this stuff in the mainstream media. Marine Corps General James Cartwright leaked information to the press about the Stuxnet 
operation. And he actually pleaded guilty to lying to investigators about speaking to journalists about it. You know, so very, very similar to what Trump has done here with Roger Stone, except Roger Stone's lies. I, sh- I only say similar in the sense that it's the same felony, which is lying to investigators. But the difference is that Roger Stone... His lies were just totally, totally insignificant lies, and they were process charges. There was no underlying crime. And it seems that Roger Stone was lying to protect President Trump, not to mention he's an older man. Look how many liberals, look how many prisoners were freed by liberals because of COVID-19. But of course, you know, Roger Stone in a very similar situation, and uh, they weren't going to do that with him. They were going to send him to jail, and Trump uh, did this essentially to protect uh, his health. And by the way, think about what Roger Stone was doing You know, when, when he lied. And I'm not defending or condoning it, but think about what he was doing, right? They had this scintillating story here about uh, Trump's contact with WikiLeaks through Roger Stone. So if Roger Stone tells the truth about that, imagine the headlines because everything that got testified in the Mueller probe got leaked to the media. And then, of course, it became this major headline. So imagine the headline, you know, Trump associate Roger Stone in contact with WikiLeaks about DNC emails, about Democrat stolen emails, right? That would have been disastrous to President Trump. So you can make the argument that Roger Stone, he really kind of sacrificed himself for the sake of protecting President Trump. And really, President Trump, it's because of the leaks to the media. The media did all this damage against Trump, but he didn't do anything wrong. It was just, you know, these headlines really make it sound much, much, much more scandalous than the reality. All right. So in New York City, a one-year-old boy, horrific, tragic, unspeakable, was shot to death on Sunday night. Uh, Thank you, Mayor de Blasio. A one-year-old boy, a 12-year-old boy, was shot at 9.30 p.m. uh, in Brooklyn. And as I told you, Ocasio-Cortez has it all figured out. So 15 people were shot. According to the New York Post, 15 people were shot in New York City within a 15-hour window of time this past week. And Ray Kelly, by the way, he says that there is no way that Police Commissioner Dermot Shea would have ever gotten rid of the anti-crime unit. He said it had that order had to have come from de Blasio. By the way, I mean, again, the media is trying to cover it up, but now the mainstream media, they can't avoid it anymore because it is just staring them in the face. The crime surge that's happening in New York is showing no sign of letting up, and it's directly, directly linked with de Blasio defunding the police and uh, getting rid of this anti-crime unit, among other things. So this is going to destroy de Blasio's career. I mean, uh, he's not going anywhere after his term is up as mayor of New York City. He's becoming a disgrace, not just to the country, to the city, but to Democrats. Democrats are embarrassed that Bill de Blasio is one of them. I mean, he's literally turned New York City into a jungle. And, you know, right now everybody's still focused on the coronavirus and on Trump. But eventually, you know, people are going to wake up and realize, and this is, I'm telling you, he's never going to win another election for any office anywhere. He couldn't win dog catcher at this point. Meanwhile, a horrific story in Texas where two police officers, I mean, this is just so tragic. I feel I have to report it because it's so important to know about. Two police officers were shot and killed. They were ambushed. They were responding to a call of a domestic dispute in Texas. And uh, when, when they knocked on the door, the man opened the door and he shot them both and they were killed. And this is actually according to CNN. It's not clear. It appears to me Part of why I'm bringing this up is that they're saying there was a call as a domestic disturbance. Now, they're not talking about the gun. The man obviously eventually turned out to have had a gun, but it seems the call reported a domestic disturbance. And at least the way CNN reports it, 
there was no mention of a gun in terms of what the 911 call was about. Now, this is significant because in some cities now, uh, they're saying police are not going to respond to a domestic disturbance. It's going to be a social service person. And think about that. Imagine if this were not police who responded. Imagine if these were social workers. Now, you say to me, well, listen, they were ambushed. They were shot and killed. Yeah, but there were two other. They were the, These two officers were discovered by two other police officers who were responding as well. They were behind them, and then they came up and they saw what happened. Now, it's not clear because the man then shot and killed himself. And it's not clear if that would have happened anyway. But the point is, in a situation like that, where it's a domestic disturbance, you need police to show up. Now, again, maybe the, the 911 call did include mention of a gun, but that was not mentioned anywhere in the CNN story. There is some confusion about whether President Trump is going to rescind DACA. Obviously, he tried to rescind DACA. The Supreme Court said he didn't do it right. But now there are some statements. Trump made a statement the other day, and uh, Mercedes Schlapp, who's a Trump uh, advisor, she made a comment. She's a, a campaign advisor. She uh, was on Fox News, and she said that the president is going to issue an executive order, and will it will include DACA. And the implication was that President Trump may be considering protecting the Dreamers and extending DACA and extending the protection, the amnesty that uh, DACA recipients and Dreamers have from the Obama executive order, as opposed to Trump rescinding DACA. It's hard to believe he would do this. We have to wait and see how this plays out. Don't make any premature judgments. But I will just say this. Uh, if President Trump, his temptation to extend DACA versus rescinding DACA is obvious because he's trying to pander to the Hispanics. Hispanics make up a huge part of the electorate in many key swing states, including Florida and other states. And, um, you know, look at Arizona, a lot of Hispanics. Trump want, needs to win Arizona. He desperately needs to win Florida. So he's trying everything he can here to appeal to Hispanics. And typically, Hispanics vote Democrat. And uh, many don't view Trump favorably, even though he's probably the greatest president Hispanics have ever had. So uh, the point is, you know, he may be looking at DACA as an important issue to come down in favor of in order to help him with the Hispanic base in a lot of these swing states. This would be, in my opinion, a terrible idea because he would alienate his base. He needs the voter enthusiasm. He needs the turnout. And if he, after promising repeatedly to rescind DACA and fighting it in the court, uh, this is like one of his signature issues, his borders, is, is, is illegal immigration, essentially, uh, I don't know if this is a border issue per se, but it basically is because these people, you know, they, they, this, this is a uh, an illegal immigration magnet. People come across illegally with little children because of DACA. So he would be perceived as a sellout. He's got to stick to his principles. It's something he always does. So I would be shocked uh, if he if, if he extends the DACA amnesty. And I'm not going to assume this just based on the conjecture just yet, but it is something we're going to keep an eye on. Iran is investigating that blast in Natanz in the nuclear base, and they say if a foreign government is behind the attack, then they will retaliate. I can help the Ar Iranian... Let me just say this to Iran. It was Israel. Attention Iranians. It was either the Mossad or it was some kind of, uh, you know, was some kind of explosion. That we, we don't know the details of how the Israelis did it, but we know who did it. By the way, Hamas is cracking down. Uh, the Israelis have had an informant within Hamas's terror wing. According to some reports, this is a senior command commander uh, in the Hamas terror wing, what the mainstream media calls the military wing, but they're just a bunch of terrorists. And there, so there are conflicting reports how senior a member he was, but he was a member of their naval commando unit, which is an extremely secretive unit, and it's behind many Hamas terror attacks. So this is devastating. This is unbelievable, the um, the the level to which Israel, it turns out, is entrenched within 
Hamas, within the Hamas organization, and now Hamas is cracking down. They are, try- they are cleaning house. They're trying to weed out other potential informants or spies. And, of course, this one defected, the one that was discovered, he actually defected to Israel. So this is really, really an amazing story. Again, not being focused on by the mainstream media, but now Hamas has erected, arrested 16 of their own terrorists, and they are suspected also of collaborating with Israel. So you see the level here to which the Israelis have infiltrated, infiltrated Hamas. Right, we're way long on time here, so just one more story. We have some callers to get to, but we'll have to leave that till tomorrow. The Washington Redskins have made it official. They say they are under pressure from many groups who find it offensive. They are changing the name of their team. It's not going to be Redskins. No word on Washington yet. It seems they're keeping the name Washington, which is the city they're located in. But uh, they have not yet named the new team name. And again, I'm reporting that not because of the sports aspect of it, but I think it's important to recognize the cultural change that after many, many years, they got a lot of pressure, and yet they always resisted, but now things are different. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.